You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We've got Jason Levesque here, good friend. I think it's been like, what, 10 years, Jason, since you started Alma? And uh, we yeah, somehow yeah, connected. Yeah, yeah, just over 10 years uh, since I was in Michigan, and which is how we uh, you know, came to know one another and, and have uh, you know, bumped into one another along the way. And lacrosse being the small world that it is, um, you know, yeah, here we are. Yeah, and so for those of you who aren't super familiar, Jason is the head women's coach at St. Bonaventure's University. He has also been the head coach at, well, he's been an assistant or head coach for Canisius, for Adams State, for Alma College, at the IMG Academy, Team Canada. Uh, and we're, we're your GA at what, at uh, Lee's McRae? I got my start at Lee's McRae, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was an assistant coach and sports information director, actually. <laughs> well, you know, at those schools, you have to do a little bit of everything, a little bit extra, too, to yeah. get your shot. So, well, that's Absolutely. awesome. That's awesome. So you, you have experience on the international game. So let's and, and actually as a as a box player as well. So let's let's talk a little bit about current events. So everyone's kind of trying to digest how they feel about sixes. And I don't think a lot of people know yet. And that's completely fair. But uh, here's what we do know. It's happening uh, just this morning. And yeah. this is Friday, the uh, 21st. I've seen press releases come out about the different, you know, like the Pan American Lacrosse Association and different places hosting sixes tournaments already in the next couple, like six to 12 months. So things are moving very quickly. I don't think that's an accident. I think that was obviously pre-planned, but you know, things are moving like this is happening. This is the way things are going. 12, 12 people rosters is what I've read so far, you know, six people at a time, obviously that's why it's called sixes supposed to be very fast no you know only a face off at the beginning of each quarter uh you know no long pulls in in the men's game so first of all how close does this resemble to you you know aka box on a field or you know basically just a slightly watered down version of a, a seven on seven tournament um how close is it well i mean i think it resembles it very closely i guess in some respects i mean obviously the smaller rosters the smaller you know the um smaller number of players on the field similar to box obviously that's a a glaring difference of of course with boundaries and boards and stuff like that pads and there's a lot of differences between box and field but that being the you know obvious one in terms of number of players on so i think there's a lot of similarities um you know, and, and it's, I think you're right that it's, it's certainly no uh, accident that, that some of these other, um, you know, more uh, continental or regional organizations are, are hosting Sixers tournaments to, again, speed up the growth of it worldwide. I think that was the, obviously the, the main kind of, um, you know, goal behind the, the whole Sixers movement, if you will. Um, I know they've been working at it, you know, and, and tinkering with it for, for, for quite a while. So, um, yeah, I think it's very similar to the indoor game. Uh, I know a lot of people will want to play box, but you know, I think to, uh, to, to your article, for example, on lax all-stars there about, you know, how it, it, it kind of makes dollars and cents, I think was your, uh, your, your tagline or, or your headline, yeah. um, because just from a, a simple infrastructure, you know, trying to 
grow the game, you know, in, in a lot of European countries. I mean, yes, they have hockey over there, but not the obviously number of ranks that, that are in Canada, which, you know, we play box lacrosse in Canada. It's growing in the United States, but United States again has probably a little bit more of a closer infrastructure um, to, to what we would have in Canada. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's all about growing the game. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, the way I look at it is, is you know, lacrosse is still lacrosse, um, you know, and, and, and I think it's going to be great for the game. And yeah. it's growth. Yeah, I agree. We're, we're just under 70 countries and, you know, you've, you've been on staff at the world games and you've seen the difference between the blue group and the rest of the, the field, you know, blue group, obviously being teams like USA, Canada, England, Japan, Australia, sometimes Germany, Iroquois, you know, that there's a stark contrast between those countries and literally the rest of the world when it comes to lacrosse, right? There, there is, uh, although I will say that that gap is definitely closing. I mean, I think in, in, in the, in the world field games, you know, I think Canada, us, Iroquois are still, you know, the main kind of podium favorites, but obviously Australia, um is always in that mix as well and and uh you know england i I was i was very very impressed with england um you know in in israel uh i thought Mm -hmm. that their you know field acumen their game their their, everything i mean they they definitely it was not an easy out for us um you know in that game they're 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 improving as well um you know but there is when when you get out of the blue group there is a, a significant drop off so you know, hopefully, you know, some of those things, the infrastructure and such that we mentioned, you know, um, some of those up and coming nations in the red group or orange group or some of the other groups and stuff, um, you know, they can kind of expedite their development, if you will, you know, and, and fast forward some of their development, um, you know, and then when it does translate to the full world games, um, you know, 10 on 10 and, and stuff like that, that, that the game is uh, in, on the men's side is, is uh, a little bit, you know, closer, closing that gap you know, further down throughout the rest of the countries. Absolutely. Because, you know, when I talk to people in, you know, Serbia, Slovenia, uh, Denmark, countries where it is a bit newer, they have struggled to consistently put a team in for, you know, the European lacrosse championships, which is obviously a feeder to the world games. Um, You know, numbers are an issue. It's hard to consistently get 24 guys to go to the actual big time tournaments and to get them to practices is even more difficult. So, uh, from what I, from what I know, from what they've told me, it is way easier and way more common for them to have, you know, 12 to 15 people show up like every time, which now allows them to play a full on game, every single practice, as opposed to having constantly. And we've both, we've both been in the situation where you're forced to do small-sided stuff, which is beneficial to some extent, but it doesn't replace actual scrimmaging and game experience. So this will really lower the entry for, you know, if we want lacrosse in the Olympics, which again, it seems like 2028 is the magic number because it's in North America and that holds mm-hmm. a lot of significance to a lot of people. It's in LA, which is where the PLL is headquartered. So it holds a lot of significance to them as well. You know, Joe size made no bones about it. He really wants this to happen as well. And he's pretty much, you know, a financer of, of lacrosse at this moment. So this is really going to be helpful in taking us from just under 70 teams, you know, globally to hopefully close to a hundred. And like I said, in my article, and it's funny because, you know, 
world lacrosse uh, favorited it, that maybe this is just what we do to grow the game globally, get to a hundred or more countries so that we have the same kind of footprint that a lot of the other sports do that are already in the Olympics. And then once we're established and, and this is, you know, commonplace and countries all have 30 to 40 people minimum playing the sport uh, at the adult level, then maybe we can transition to basically a traditional world lacrosse championship style where it is the field game that we know in the Olympics, like it used to be. I think that that's definitely something that is probably discussed as a goal. I don't know if, if sixes is, Hey, what, what the standard that world lacrosse is trying to, you know, take the game overall to, I, I, I highly doubt that. I, I think it's, you know, I think in their, in their kind of intro video, like it's you know, adding another gear, which basically another discipline, um, you know, box field, men's women's you know and now we have sixes so i think it's kind of another discipline and i you know i i think again it, it is largely driven you know to drive growth you know um to to improve it and you know i think putting putting our sport whether it's sixes or whether it's the full field or whether it's indoor you know on that uh on that olympic platform is is, is something that you know obviously um will be key for that growth because the, the Olympics are, are broadcast worldwide, you know, yeah, um, yeah. the NCAA final four men's or women's final four, or the, 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 the NOL championship or the PLL championship. Those, those, those games aren't, aren't broadcast, you know, worldwide. Um, you know, if you happen to be an expat sitting down in Brazil somewhere, I'm sure you'd be able to stream the game or get the game, but it's not broadcast where, yeah, the only people know, are watching it globally already know about it. Correct. Yeah, you know, whereas whereas uh, you know, on a global broadcast of of that magnitude, the Olympic Games, you know, I mean, I I tune into the Olympic Games. I, I watch skiing. I watch, I mean, you know, Each any sport. Uh, yeah, all of it. Volleyball. All, I'm watching the biathlon. You know, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm watching the slalom, the grand slalom, the the super G, the you know, the the moguls, the the aerials. I mean, you're 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 watching sports that you normally don't see on television. Um, I mean, you're Americans are watching curling, you know what I mean? Like, um, so you're watching all these different sports and, and hopefully that, um, you know, that vision or, or, or excuse me, like that viewership, um, you know, in some of those, uh, other countries, uh, will, will help kind of fast forward that growth. So I think that's obviously the the main driver, you know? Yeah. And I think what we're going to see too, is in 20 years, sixes will become what everybody starts the game off playing. And then it it becomes very developmental and and by purpose, like you will start off playing sixes lacrosse. That'll be the only version, you know, and then you will basically graduate into like maybe a seven V seven and and then into a 10 V 10. And so I I think this sets the groundwork for that. Like sixes will now forever be a thing. I don't think it will be the pinnacle of the sport forever. I think it will slowly move down the food chain into this is how we develop skills. And, and speaking of what, of that, you know, we no longer will have, I, I doubt face-off specialists. We will now have, you know, more well-rounded players, I think, developed through this process. Um, yeah, we, we used to call them midfielders. We took face-offs. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for example, like, 
guys like Jeremy Thompson, Kyle Harrison, guys that by no means are face-off specialists by today's standards, but they could certainly take some face-offs and then play offense and then play defense. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that completely changes the way that people are developing their skill. Now, obviously, this is at the pin- pinnacle of the sport. These, these guys are already great at what they do. But it does beg the question, like, how are these – you know, how does Team Canada, how does Iroquois, how, how do these teams pick their players, their, their, their roster when, you know, you no longer need guys that are very specialized. You need a whole, you need a whole stable of guys that can just run, A, because the, the pace is insane, and B, can play at both ends. Because, so, so now, like, you, you really start, like, these D-mids that, you know, grew up as high school All-American attackmen. <laughs> um, yeah they now become super valuable because you really, I have to, I have to believe that, you know, there's no long poles on the field playing defense. So now like these D mids become, you know, bigger offensive threats than they ever were uh, than they were at the college level playing all American D poles uh, in transition. So you've got that angle. Then you, you have to wonder like how many of these attackmen can actually play defense and are willing to learn how to play good defense. So I think ultimately Anybody with box experience, especially in transition in a transition role, gets a head start or has like an extra, you know, gear or a higher chance of making one of these, you know, international rosters, especially in the blue group, where I think it's it's gonna be nearly impossible for these coaches to to pick 12 people. I think it's 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 hard, you know, trying to pick 23. Um Mm-hmm. you know when with the full field and stuff so and, and there's always a handful of guys for that last spot or two and yeah I mean <clears throat> trying to get down to 12 is, is going to be even tougher and you know not not that I, I think you're you're right in that and it's, it's in many ways a good thing that we're kind of getting you know this opportunity or this version or this game you know where you have to you have to be a player at, at in all facets you know um mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you look at, as you said earlier about the, the whole kind of up, all these upcoming tournaments and it's not by design, you know, as I said, they've been talking about this forever, you know, um, you know, Steve Govett, I know is, is heavily involved now with world lacrosse and, and, you know, I, I could listen to him all day about, you know, his thoughts and visions and, you know, the indoor game, the outdoor game, the, the, the youth game, the international game. Um, you know, I know Bill Tierney has, has talked a lot about kids should play box lacrosse until they're 10 or 11 years old, you know, um, just, just get more touches and, and, and just play. Don't, don't specialize so early, you know, right. uh, and that's nothing wrong with specialization as you kind of move up, you know, the, the, the chain, if you will, and, and the levels of, of competition, you know, you, you kind of there's guys that are in girls that are just that good. And you're like, well, we just, we just need to get that, that that draw girl or that full goal or that face-off guy, you know, you'd love to have somebody that could do other things. I like Jeremy Thompson or, or Kyle Harrison or Zach Courier, um, you know, but, but I think that, you know, going from the, back to the international standpoint, I think like Chris, Chris Bushy, Boshi, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm butchering his name. Uh, yeah, Bushy, yeah, yeah. Um, team in the NLL and, and, and he's done an awesome job, you know, getting the, I think South African uh, association, kind of up and running i mean you know you look you look at a country like that like what what this game and this version of the game or this year of the game or this discipline of the game is going to be able to do you know to hopefully spur some of that growth there 
um, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, monumental. And, and, you know, I think hopefully you'll start to see more of those other countries um, that maybe are either very new to the, to the world game, uh, to world lacrosse, or, or are interested in developing their own kind of associations and countries and national governing bodies. Absolutely. And so, you know, tough question. So you're building out a squad. How valuable does someone like a Blaze Reardon become who is a field goalie, which that seems to be the position that changed the least, obviously, because it didn't change at all. You know, you just have to be in a, you just have to be incredible at clearing quickly, I think is the one skill that is going to be um, magnified in this version. But to have a yeah. guy like that who can also run, you know, have being a, a guy playing box, he plays, he plays out of the cage. He doesn't play in the Cajun box, but he plays in the Cajun field. How valuable does a guy like that become when you're building your roster? Because now you don't have two goalies on your roster necessarily. You have a guy that can fully go out there and play and be a contributor instead of just sitting there watching the starting goalie play. So, sure. you know, how, how, how does that kind of stuff affect roster building? And, and you, I know I, we were joking about it earlier, but are there other people like that out there that we know of? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's gonna, how it affects the roster spot. I mean, in, in every way possible, really. Uh, you're almost playing with a stack, you know, a, a few years back, Breck field goalie, but also played, uh, in the NLL as, as a runner, as, as a transition player, um, you know, I can go back a few more years. Kyle Miller, uh, former goalie at Team Canada and, and Cornell. Um, you know, he was uh, he played he played as a transition player as a runner uh, in Orangeville Junior Lacrosse. Um, you know, so having a, a, a basically you look at even these the, the 23-man rosters, the full field, and, and you're looking for guys that can either play defense with a short stick or a long stick. You know, yeah, um, guys that are dual. Or like Correct, uh, Tyson yeah. Bell. Tyson Bell, you know, Danny Coates. I mean, guys that guys that can be versatile and play Graham in different Hossick. roles. Yeah. Absolutely. Hoss for sure. Um, you know, I mean guys that can run out of the box, uh, and also play attack, you know. I mean, um so having guys that are dual purpose is, is you know, always uh you know, always something that you're looking for. I, I think that just gets magnified even more when you need basically I would say seven to nine of those 12 players need to be able to do a little bit of everything and play on both sides of the ball, you know, effectively. Uh, so, so trying to find that right group. So having that goalie who could also, you know, play some offense, play some defense, you know, take, take, uh, take some time and eat up some minutes as a runner is, is going to be uh, that is extremely valuable for, for your team and your team's depth and, and uh, your stamina as you, as you go through a, you know, a 10 day tournament or whatever that might be. Um, having that basically extra runner on your roster kind of playing with that extra card in your hand, uh, I think is going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah. Lacrosse kind of, you know, especially at the tournament level, it just became kind of a marathon with, with the speed and the energy required to play this version of the game. But, you know, they, they are shorter games, but they are much quicker paced, much shorter shot clock. So we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. I'm excited. I mean, obviously, we saw what 2019 the USA women's team played by these rules against the WPLL. Um, there was one other instance, right? You guys played by these rules as well once, didn't you? 
Yes, we did. Uh, in the 19 Fall Classic at uh, U.S. Lacrosse headquarters, um, uh, on the on the Saturday of the event, it was full field. It was the Canadian men's and women's teams, the U.S. men's and women's teams, um, you know, or candidates for those teams. Um, we had a young group, largely current collegians or or guys fresh out of out of college, um, and we scrimmaged against. Um, you know, Virginia. So I think it was Virginia and uh, Maryland, the, the defending national champions. It's a great event. U.S. Lacrosse puts on. Uh, and then on the Sunday, we we actually did some some tinkering and some scrimmaging. The national teams uh, against the men's and women's uh, against one another, um, with some different rules and, and a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a different version than than the sixes that have been introduced. But you know, again, uh, you know, those guys over at World Lacrosse, you, you know. Um, have done an awesome job, especially these last couple of years, of really trying to kind of spur and grow the game, uh, spur the growth of the game, you know, and, and coming up with this version, you know, whether it was going to be sixes or sevens or, or eights or maybe fives, I, I don't know. I mean, I know they, they've played with a lot of different ideas and, and certainly uh, not, not, um, not short at any time uh, in terms of, in, uh, of, of growing it and, and figuring out what is that right that right kind of uh, balance uh, and stuff. So we did it. It was very fast paced. We, we did a, uh, I think we had five over and, and you had to have one back plus your goalie. So it was kind of more of a sevens. Um, very, very fast paced substitutions were, were tough to really kind of get into that groove. So you, you really are going up and down, um, you know, similar to the way we grew up playing box lacrosse back in, you know, the, the early days or my early days of lacrosse in the nineties when I first started playing, um, there wasn't really that specialization that we kind of talked about earlier where you had offense, defense, um, you know, it was basically five up, five back, um, you know, so you, you, it was very, very fast. It was exciting. Uh, and, and I love, you know, what, what world lacrosse is trying to do and, and, and come up with new innovative ideas and strategies, um, you know, to, to get this game going, you know, cause again, it, lacrosse is still lacrosse, at least in my mind, I know there's, you know, I haven't, um, been able to really dive all the way in yet but you know seeing some of the tweets and comments and you know just play box or this and that and then you know some people kind of maybe walking back a little bit like oh, okay now that makes sense a little bit you know because it, it really is just about getting lacrosse on the big stage the world stage the main stage the olympic stage um you know and, and getting sticks into hands of more uh of yeah. more people yeah it's realizing that how we play lacrosse is definitely not how it's played globally and so we need to help change that. And this is, I get, this is how we're going to do it. You know, this is how yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, all the feedback that they've gotten, this is how we're going to do it. So, well, I think, I think it's a phenomenal start, you know, and, and what it looks like in 2028, you know, is it exactly what we just saw released this week? Quite possibly. Is it, is it continue to be tinkered with over these next couple of, you know, Pan American games or European games or these other, you know, organizations, associations that are going to be hosting some, some tournaments to walk through. I mean, who knows, but uh, I think it's a phenomenal start and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great big, big out of the bite out of the apple. And, and I think it's, uh, it's going to be good for our game overall in the long run. Absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit, you spent a majority of your life or your, your post-college life coaching men's lacrosse. And you now find yourself as the D1 women's coach at St. Bonaventure. And, you know, A, how does that happen? You know, how did that transition happen for you? Uh, 
and B, you know, talk about some of the major differences and, and things you've learned from now spending a lot more time uh, on the women's game than you have on the, in the past. Uh, sure. Well, I don't know if we have my, that much time. <laughs> uh, uh, well, first off, I guess, how does it happen? Well, I found myself coaching um, at IMG uh, Academy down in Florida, uh, which was a great experience, a lot of great people there. Um, while I was there, we we started a women's program there, a girls' program there. Um, and, you know, it was just getting up off the ground and, you know, I had an opportunity to kind of help out um, with them a little bit and, and start coaching, you know, the girls game a little bit more, um, regularly, I guess, as opposed to just that, you know, camps and clinics and things of that nature. Um, so actually coaching a team and, and, and games and strategizing and so on and so forth, as opposed to just kind of skills at a camp. Um, and, and I just honestly was enjoying it. I, I was just kind of like having fun, like, like I said earlier about the sixes, I mean, I just kind of look at it like lacrosse is still lacrosse. And, and uh, you know, sure, obviously there's there's differences, no doubt. But, you know, it was still lacrosse. And, um, you know, what more to ask for? I was living down in Florida. You know, I got my stick in my hands, you know, four or five hours a day coaching. And, and uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, so community that, that opened up, um, my former head coach, actually, uh, Randy Mearns, who also, uh, coached with, with the national team, um, came over to Bonaventure a few years ago and, you know, just kind of mentioned that, Hey, there's, there's an opening here. And, uh, you know, if you'd be interested and, you know, IMG was great. I, I, I always kind of thought that, you know, there could be an opportunity to go back to the collegiate game. I, I never really thought it would be on the women's side, to be honest. Um, when I first went to IMG, but there was other opportunities, but wanted to kind of, if I was going to leave there, you know, go for that right, that right job, that right opportunity, um, you know, and, and just kind of put my name in and, and here we are, it, it kind of worked out, you know, when I got here to campus, um, you know, kind of fell in love with it, just being back on a college campus. Uh, it's, a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous campus, beautiful um scenery in, in the Allegheny Mountains, I mean, and especially in, in the fall when all the leaves are changing, you know, we've got great facilities, you know, looking out, out overlooking the mountains and, and, and uh, all the foliage, it's, it's beautiful. And I was just like, wow, like, we could really, we could really do something here. It's a great school. The people are amazing. You know, that was probably the biggest thing when I came on, uh, on the interview was walking away saying, wow, I really want to work with these people, you know? So yeah, it kind of worked out and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're really enjoying, you know, to try to get this thing moving in, in the right direction. I, I inherited a great group of young women that, that are very hungry and, um, you know, anxious to, to learn and be coached and be pushed and, you know, get things moving. So, um, yeah, I'm couldn't be happier. Yeah. And I think, you know, I never watched as much women's lacrosse as I did the year that you took over because I was just curious to see how your team was doing. So I watched pretty much every game your first season before it got cut short and you, you were doing incredibly well. And I think, you know, we both come from the men's game and I think the biggest thing to get more viewers for the women's game is just to get people to give it a chance because, you know, 
it's easy to be intimidated by not knowing some of the rules and not understanding whether, you know, there's so many whistles and, and why the sticks are different, all that stuff. Those are all excuses. But, you know, once you sit down and watch it, you really start to appreciate like the level of lacrosse that you're watching. And it's so cool. apparent after only, you know, a couple of minutes, especially some of these D1 games are absolutely incredible. But I, yeah. I think it's just about giving it a chance because the differences are pretty small. Once you do understand what they are, especially those subtle rule changes from the men's game, mm-hmm. like then you really do start to appreciate it. And so I, what, I would, I would go agree. ahead. Yeah. No, I, would say, I, I would agree hundred percent when I started coaching more, like actually coaching the girls down at IMG, um, you know, I found myself watching more and more and more games and, you know, in, in the past, I mean, you'd see a, a Maryland Carolina, you know, on, um, you know, on uh, ESPNU or something like that. And, and I'd watch it and, you know, it was very, very high level across. So it's easy to kind of pick up on some of that, but, you know, I, I find myself watching whatever I can get my hands on, you know, and, and obviously now with, with streaming and stuff and, um, you know, you, you have access to, to a lot more games, but, but I agree a hundred percent. It's just, you, you have to just watch it and, and give it a shot, give it a chance. And, you know, I think that that will be a big thing. And I know that there's been some commentary on social media about, you know, um, having more women's games televised and stuff. And, and I think that they absolutely should be. And, and I think that the people that are, you know, trying to make those, those points are, are absolutely right. I, I agree 100%. More games should be televised on the women's side. And, and if that was to happen, more people could give it a chance uh, and, and really see, you know, the beauty in the game and, and, and how, how talented these, these young women are uh, and, and how athletic these young women are in playing this great sport. Absolutely. And I've coached, you know, I, I've done individual coaching of, of women. And the skill sets that, you know, you're required to have to play the game are so similar, you know, if, if not exactly the same, you know, it's still about stick skills, about, about change of direction, you know, one-on-one defense, breaking down a defender, like that's all the same. You just have to, you know, tactically, (laughs) I think is where it gets a little different because, you know, there's no, you know, technically there's no zone defenses. Right. And so there's, there are things that you can and can't do, but like overall, the game at its core is is the same. It really, it really is. It's again, I just always looked at it like lacrosse is lacrosse. Whether I was a kid that when I got introduced to lacrosse playing box in Canada, like wow, this is great. I'm having fun. My my, my dad actually talking with some of the other dads was informed that oh, there's there's field lacrosse too on the weekends and you know, like, well, Hey, do you want to try that too? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, of course. More lacrosse. Let's do it. Uh, we, we had no, you know, back in like 90, 1990, 91, we, I, I had no idea the difference of box and field lacrosse. I mean, um, so it, it was just, it's always been for me, like the way I look at it, it's just lacrosse to lacrosse. Yeah. Um, sticking your hands right, is a good thing. Absolutely. And, and, and there's a, there's just a ton of similarities that, that, you know, really, when you when you do give it a chance to see it, and then when you actually see these kids and these young women up close um, performing, you know, you, you just can't help but you know be appreciative of of the skill set that they have and the athleticism that they have. Um, you know, so it, it's been an awesome transition, I guess, uh, um, and, and and I'm really really enjoying it. Fantastic. 
Well, best of luck to you with, with everything at SBU. And, uh, you know, obviously next year, I think your first post COVID season, everything gets back to normal and you, you guys kill it. But, uh, all right, Jason, really appreciate your time and, and obviously wish you the best with, with everything moving forward. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, you're in a very tough conference, but I'm sure we'll see, you know, we'll see the St. Bonaventure moving up pretty quickly here in the near future. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. We'll yeah. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides. Sides.